Welcome, friends, to another edition of Wampa Radio. This is episode number 22. This is a Star Wars Unlimited podcast, but so much more, Doa. That's that's right. Uh, as usual, we go way off and talk about random tangents, but we try once in a while to circle back and talk about the headline strategies and discussion points that you all want to hear out there about the worlds of Star Wars, the world of Star Wars card gaming. Wow, I haven't spoken English in a while, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm catching up. I'm catching up. You were gone last week, so you have that's to right. come. It's, yeah, you know, you got to catch your sea legs again. Have not talked since our last podcast, actually. Yeah, I, I need to <laughs> need to start that up again. Need to practice. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, the reason that he was gone was actually he went to a convention. It was a Jats convention, and the music was so loud he couldn't have a conversation. So he's a bit out of yeah. practice. But. The Jats wailing was just way, way too hard on my eardrums. So I just had to take a vow of silence afterwards to just give myself a break. You know, we had a we had quite a blast. We had the longest episode of the of this show's career as it were without you doa so that's amazing isn't it incredible how like addition by subtraction not that any of it was like compelling Ouch, or no it's not like yeah i, I thought that was a shot as well doa so <laughs> I, I don't know how to take that so i'll take it the worst I, way possible because we're from the internet right? as I would have taken it as overcompensating to deal with such an immense loss, right? Oh, the, the quality of the yeah. show was so low that we just had to drone on. But a lot of it was really For just sure. the news from last week. And I'm personally kind of excited to hear your thoughts. Uh, we got the organized play announcement. And yeah, I, I know that we have yet to hear from, uh, from you. So perhaps we'll dive into that today. But uh, we're also sure we're going to do it. We're going to talk about the Wampa Cave Pull of the Week. Okay, this week's Wampa Cave Pull was a lot less controversial. I think that we we brought it back down to earth, as it were, and we're, we're, we're kind of talking, in this case, about the actual game and not the lore behind it. So we're bringing it back around. This week's Wampa Cave Pull... Available every Sunday at Wampa Radio on Twitter is what are you most excited for when Star Wars Unlimited launches? The options were competitive tournaments, the limited aspect of it, such as draft and sealed, completing a collection, or just casual gaming around the kitchen table. Uh, Doa, you you haven't spoken like you mentioned in a like. 12 yeah. days so why don't you crazy. hit us first with uh what your selection was i mean competitive tournaments obviously like is there is there any question like that that is why i play card games i, I mean i play them for fun but i also have the most fun when i'm competing so uh that is going to be an, an easy choice for me although i although i have to say my my magic the gathering playing has gone strictly casual at this point i'm i'm commander only and competitive commander just sounds like an oxymoron to me but that's a whole different podcast so yeah for me competitive easy i agree i think that um well you're right but like the whole competitive aspect of of magic has been interesting to follow along competitive said it was a different podcast it's a different podcast you're right yeah D that's right we don't have to go into that now we yeah. won't go into it we're not going to go into it uh charmer how about you so I went against the grain here and I voted for competitive tournaments because, of course, that is what I'm most excited about. I, I will say 
I probably would have leaned more toward casual gaming if I had more free time in my life. I miss the feeling of like a Saturday night of, you know, just kind of drinking around a table, having fun, playing some cheesy, wonky games. But I can't remember the last time that I I have done it. Now, I do play casually when I go to events. So a lot of times what happens is, is that I will either compete or when I'm casting an event, I spend all day watching other people play it. And then I'm like, well, I want to play too. And so then I'll play in casual stuff afterwards. But it's weird to me because I don't associate that with casual gaming, even though that's the experience because I'm doing it as a result of a competitive event. So I, I did select competitive tournaments, but I do miss casual gaming quite a bit. Well, I will say this. Uh, I know that both of you are very busy. You have children that you have to, you know, feed and keep alive uh, sustainably. As, as it still sounds strange to me. Isn't it weird? It's true. I mean, but yeah. for myself, um, the Saturday night drinking and playing games uh, by myself is not any, is, there's no glamour in it by any means. Like sitting by my computer and playing, uh, you know, <laughs> rolling up and playing some Talishar games of, uh, flesh and blood or some magic or stuff online um that glamorous aspect it, it's the it's frankly it's the community that really rescues you from looking like a complete fool but i also will take that you know go against the grain the grain of which we will bring to the mill turn it wow. into a fine grist okay and then create a nice loaf of be- bread, which is competitive play. I am so for... <laughs> okay, we, we went deep with that one. I was wondering where that was going, but it, you you brought it back around. I did well bring done. it back around. I, I absolutely... I, I brought it back around. <laughs> um, the competitive tournaments, I mean, to me, this is a game that... And if I were to... If I'm going to compare this to another big title that released re- recently, which is Lorcana, when Lorcana was, was getting released and the information was slowly trickling out, the t- competitive tournament aspect of it for me was also, I'm like, man, like I just want a game that's going to have a big competitive scene that is going to have tiered um, tournaments that you can come qualify for, like a, a big deal, something to, to work towards. And again, I understand that that's not for everybody, but what turned me off of Lorcana or a part of what turned me off of Lorcana was that they didn't have anything like that. And for mm-hmm. me, the fact that they just had this announcement, it got me even more hyped up for this particular game because they are going to have lower lower tier tournaments. They are going to have casual play. They'll have all that. But if we're going down the list of everything here, you know, limited play. I mean, we talk, Charmer and I are absolutely big time limited goons, and we know that we're going to drag you into this for sure. Doa, you're going to be a limited guy too. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm learning. I'm learning to love limited. That's, that's, I'm giving up and learning to love limited. That sounds like a Netflix series. <laughs> How I learned to love limited, the Doa story. Um, completing a collection, I've never been a completionist in that regard maybe i will be with this but like i'm not going to be out there chasing every single hyperspace variant uh and casual gaming to me casual gaming is how we enjoy it but i mean nothing gets the blood flowing like competitive tournaments and you weren't here last week doa so what do you think about the announcements for competitive i mean i think it's great it sounds like they have a very solid plan for introducing competitive uh stuff to the game and uh it's on the one hand i was like oh i'm a little bit sad that we don't get like a bigger competitive event sooner but then i'm like you know i i kind of agree with what they're saying where like the set one metas aren't usually like the greatest meta in a card game's history so it's like 
you know, do we really need to rush to that right away? And and uh, as much as I enjoy those big big tournaments, I'm kind of like, you know what? Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with that take on it. Uh, there's still going to be locals to play in and all that, and so yeah, I'm I'm just generally excited about it. Yeah, I think I think uh, everything I've heard about this game so far has me very optimistic. Frankly, it's I think the the plans I have in place for pretty much everything are pretty good sounding. So uh, yeah, game seems fun from the starter deck uh, games I've played. So I'm. Um, the hype continues to build. I like this. So I think it's a, a consensus on, with us at least, the competitive tournaments are what we're most excited for. Let's see what the community has decreed. In the lead at 48.9% of by and large, vast majority selecting uh, competitive tournaments at 48.9% in second place, casual gaming. So a complete 180 from what, the what that would be 30.7 percent uh mm. limited at 14.8 percent and completing a collection at 5.7 percent what this tells me is that people are just hyped to play the damn game like it has nothing to do with the vanity the shinies as it were it's just a matter of i want to play for keeps or i want to play for fun but ultimately i just want to play the game I think that's a fair assessment. I will say there are two things that I, I want to kind of emphasize. When I look at the completing a collection percentage, one, I wonder how the existence of all of the like hyperspace variants and things like that, you know, I wonder how much that impacted it. Because if you are a true completionist and you're saying to yourself, you know, hey, I have to have every regular, every foil regular, every hyperspace, every foil hyperspace, every showcase or whatever, like that can feel daunting. And so if that's what you view as completing a collection, then that might might feel rough. That might not be what you're most excited about. So I can understand that potentially bringing it down. Um, but the positive I see here is as weird as it sounds, right? I think it's actually a very big positive that completing a collection is the lowest and by a huge margin because this tells me as Flake said, people care more about the game and less about the investment, right? With Lorcana, let's be honest, part of the hype was that everybody wanted to make money. There are still people flipping it and not playing the game. You get the scalpers, you get the people who treat it like they're stocks and bonds. They want to diversify their portfolio with sealed cases and whatever. When I see a very low percentage of folks interacting with this poll saying, hey, like the collection isn't my number one driver. That's refreshing to me because hopefully every game has it. It's unavoidable, but hopefully this means we're going to have people invested in the game itself. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I I agree. And and I think Star Wars is in an interesting place because there's so much collectability around the intellectual property of Star Wars, right? But there's so many ways to engage with that collectability, right? I mean, like right back here, I've got a VHS box set, I've got a replica flight helmet. So like, I don't need to collect every single version of every single card in the game because I'm already collecting Star Wars stuff. I have storyboard uh, sections from the old movies on the wall, you know, over, over there. So it's like, I've got plenty of Star Wars collectible stuff already. And if you look at the Disney side of things, yeah, sure. I mean, you have collectibles there as well in, in kind of a similar nature, but there's never really been like a Disney card game before where there have been Star Wars card games before. And so I think that's what makes Lorcana so much more appealing from the strictly collectible sense than like this game does. And frankly, I think that's a point in this game's favor. Um, 
I'm I'm frankly disgusted by how people treat Lorcana like stocks and bonds and all that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, like this is a card game made for kids to enjoy and have fun, and it's tragic that a bunch of people are are you know treating it like Wall Street and and you know buying all the stuff up, and the people that this game is made for aren't getting to play it as much. Like that's that kind of horrifies me as as a as a gamer first, you know. So uh, I, it seems like we're going to be able to avoid that with this one. So so that makes me happy. Yeah, I love seeing the post where folks are like, hey, man, like I bought out an entire store's Lorcana supply and then flipped it for double. And in my head, I'm like, that's like, you know, you went to somebody's house, you got all their Halloween candy and then you sold it to the parents who wanted Halloween candy for their kids. And now wow. you're like excited about it. Like that's mentally what I those are the same with, people that, but... that that like take the whole bucket of uh, Halloween oh. candy. Like uh, we we had trick or treaters this year, uh, you know, because we finally like we we bought a house this year, so we actually had trick or treaters, and we had to go to a party a little bit later on, around eight p.m. or so. So we left a, a bucket out of candy, and sure enough, within like thirty minutes, we had on our door cam uh, a group coming and just taking the entire bucket, and I'm like, well. I'm never doing that again because like two people got like two people treated appropriately and then someone stole the whole bucket. Like, yeah. Come on, people. It's 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 disgusting. And like that's the worst part about November 1st is seeing all the videos of this stuff coming out. The best part about November 1st, though, is that the candy is all on sale. So, woo. I mean, hey, it's most of it's like high fructose corn syrup anyway in the U.S. So it's like you're only hurting yourselves if you're taking all that <laughs> stuff. So, you know, they're, they're the ones who are losing in the end by gorging themselves on this like poison, essentially. So you are. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, fine. Way to buzzkill it, big time. Uh, hey, you're, you're, real. you're spot on. Uh, there is <laughs> there is one thing I want to address from the previous episode, which was there were some uh, comments. And again, we welcome all dialogue. And um, it's and I want to also preface this with the fact that it is perfectly okay to disagree and have that kind of debate doesn't mean that somebody's a have bad you seen person. the internet? I have seen it, and that's why I want to preface oh, okay. this this way, because right. I am well-versed in how if you don't agree usually, with somebody. Yeah. Usually you know. on the internet, there's one opinion, and if you don't have that opinion, people are very upset with you. Correct. Because, you know, whatever the topic is, yeah. it's kind of a general consensus that I'm emerges. I'm saying you like, I'm just upset with you regardless of your opinions. Well, so. that's fine. I know. Like, that's more <laughs> of, like, the nucleus of who I am. It's like, you hate my core being. It's the... the Once again, keeping it real. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. that's what we're, if we're going to be anything, we're going to be true and authentic. So the conversation was that there was, I think there was a comment. And again, I apologize if I don't, if I don't remember the name, but, um, and, and this, the discussion that this uh, brought up is not one of malice and it's not one of any type of negative friction. I like debate and I like other people's uh, viewpoints, but the question or the the comment rather was that, they would somebody would be very surprised if there there was prize money associated with these tournaments and my reply was i'd be surprised if there wasn't frankly i'd be incredibly shocked if there wasn't prize money associated with it and to which the debate kind of then rolled over to um that they it shouldn't have prize money cuz they don't want to attract the people away from games like that are out there to to play this stuff now i think that all three of us have been around competitive card gaming for long enough that I can confidently say that if Star Wars Unlimited does not have a hefty cash prize associated to these major tournaments, um, that it is not going to attract players. And that is 
I understand that some people say, well, what about the love of the game and the love of competition? That, unfortunately, is a naive viewpoint because people's time is valuable. And I'm saying this from the from the perspective and reality of all three of us are very good friends with players who compete in card games and win a lot of money in card games. They also play card games that they don't particularly like or care at all about. They go to them because the value of learning the game and playing the game is exceptionally high. So if you want your game to succeed, you need to have a competitive scene. And if you want to have a competitive scene, you need to have um, good and excellent and elite players pay attention to your game, create content for your game, bring their following to that game, because this is the cascading effect of it, which is, if we're gonna, I'm gonna use Majin Bay as an example here, because Majin Bay is the oftentimes the number one ranked player in Legends of Runeterra. He also plays Flesh and Blood because the EV and his skill set there is good. He also played in like Battle. I think I don't know if he played in the Battle Spirit Saga thing, but he's he's, he's pretty good. I played in at least one event. Yeah, um, he's also done Grand Archive. I like Battle Spirit Saga. Yeah. Uh, but I like Battle Spirits too, but but yeah. um, but what I'm saying is like I'm just I'm just trying to throw a big uh, a wide blanket on this because he also commands like a thousand plus viewers on Twitch all the time, and he has people that follow his deck lists, follow his recommendations, and whatever. So if a game like Star Wars cannot attract a player like that, it's not just that one player that they're towing into the game. It's them and all the influence that they exert over the people who appreciate and enjoy their content. If you're just immediately not caring about that, then it's it, it, there's so much lost opportunity there. And the way you attract these players is cash money because their time is valuable and they don't care about playmats and they don't care about anything that they cannot turn into cash. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think on the one hand, I think influencers are overrated. Um, I've always kind of thought that. I don't think they bring the permanent eyeballs that people think they bring. Um, but uh, beyond that, I, I think at the end of the day, you, you ha you're you going to have a competitive scene in a game whether you like it or not. And the more you jump in and support that, the more you're going to get you know loyal players, really, at the end of the day, which is it's what it's about. Because if you have a game, people are going to want to see who the best is, right? That's the essence of, of competition, not just esports, but sports, but you know everything throughout the history of mankind. So if it, you, people are going to want to find out, right? And so if you have tournaments that, uh, you know, have no cash prize, you're not going to attract the best players. You're not going to find out who the best is and people aren't going to like how that sits. Right. Because people want to know who is the best. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, longevity of the game wise, um, you want to have appealing tournaments for people to come and take seriously uh, just because that's how people like to compete, you know, historically. Yeah, I I agree with the sports thing. That's one of the things that crossed my mind. Uh, obviously, card games are not sports. I, I do not. <laughs> I do not think that that is anywhere near like a true parallel. But when you're talking about the difference between competing for something of value versus playing for the love of the game, I do think there are some parallels when, you know, you think of traditional sports, right? Yes, people would probably still play football if there was no NFL. They would still play basketball if there was no NBA. But would we see the level of competition, right? Would we see uh, the resources going into growing players and uh, participants in those sporting programs if there was not money involved? Probably not. But when I think of 
card games, uh, as somebody who's played a lot of card games, especially failed ones, unfortunately, because uh, I continue to fall in love with ones that, that don't get a following, part of the reason that they don't get a following is in part due to either a complete lack of competitive support or the competitive support was just mishandled or things like that. Because at the end of the day, folks want to feel like it's not just they're engaging with the game, but that they have something to work toward, right? It's a goal. Even if your goal is to never be the world champion, having something that's as simple as like, I want to win my locals. I want to win, you know, a, a state level event, something like that is still a carrot that people can chase. And I can't think of any card game in the last 20 years that has been not like big three successful, but even moderately successful long term without a competitive scene of some sort. Now, Lorcana might be able to pull that off, but that will 100% be the exception, not the rule because of the intellectual property there. And I do not think that Star Wars even though it's a huge intellectual property can bank on that because uh, obviously otherwise other card games that Star Wars has released would have worked out. And that has not been the case. Um, so I, I think competition is very important. And I think that having a cash prize is important. And you do also, I think, want to uh, attract other players from games. Uh, I, I'm in the middle. I think that initial influencer marketing is way overhyped but i think that if you can get somebody who can fall in love with your game so like if we're using you know our friend caleb majin bay for example um getting him to play your game at launch for like a stream or two not really worth the investment in my opinion and i love him and i don't want to take money out of his pocket but i just i don't think that's the case but if he falls in love with your game and then he is streaming it you know day in, day out, or, you know, two or three times a week, and you get that repeated recurring investment from all of his viewers, I do think that there is value in that, because that's how you start to build a community. You get repeated interaction between people. And yeah, loyalty, yeah. Yeah, loyalty. So I, I, I do think that competition overall is, is good for any card game, but I also just, I, I, kind of cringe and shudder and I, I have fear and heart palpitations when I hear phrases like you should play it for the love of the game because <laughs> um, when Artifact launched there was a lot of folks saying like hey yeah you know I know Valve is supposed to do this million dollar tournament thing or whatever but people should play it just because of the love of the game and then that game launched with no ladder system uh, no in-game prize support, no, there was like no carrot on a stick, basically. You were supposed sure. to play it for the love of the game, and people didn't because they had nothing to work toward. And it's even worse, like when you think about a new player perspective, if you're trying to learn a game and all you're doing is losing and there's nothing for you to work toward, why would you continue to play? You're like, all I do is lose. I'm just wasting my time. Oh, so, see, but, but yet I still played The Legend of the Five Rings LCG. Well, I don't well know. yeah, it was, it's, it's, a, rule, it's a great though. game, though. It's I mean, like, I, yeah. I did play that one for the love of the game. I I, yeah. I will admit that. Yeah, it's that like, was just a fantastic card game. <laughs> it's like Star Wars CCG again. Like there's no incentive from a reward perspective to play it. It just so happens to be an exceptionally designed and amazing game. And I don't think that Star Wars U is going to be on that that particular level. It very well could. But I also think that I'm we're in a re you. we're in a reality now, folks, where people's time is valuable the nature of games these days is that 
you you need to entice the player where their valuable time has to be rewarded in a certain way. And the way to do that is to put tournaments that have like real life reward. And I will say this, it doesn't have to necessarily be cash. So I I see the the thought process of saying it doesn't like why does it have to be money? Because one piece tournaments will sometimes reward very rare and exclusive variants uh, like alternate arts of popular cards that people want but you Mm. know what those players who win those tournaments do they immediately go to the vendor and turn it into eight or hundred dollars or a thousand dollars like it's it they don't hold the card for the love of the game to say i got it they hold the card until somebody sells it or buys it off of them so they can take the eight hundred dollars and put it in the bank like there that is an inherent truth to competition it's the same reason why a basketball player or a baseball player will hold out being offered 20 million a season to go somewhere to get 22 million a season and then you're saying like well what about the love of the game they're they're in demand their time is valuable same thing with all these pro players they can go and devote their you know 30 hours a week playing card games to flesh and blood because they know hey, there's a $20,000 tournament once a month, and then there's a $300,000 prize pool for world championships at the end of the day, at the end of the year. That's worth investing my time to. So I think, yeah. uh, Just one last thing I want to say on this, because I also think that if you're somebody who plays the game casually, it can kind of get lost on why something like this is important. Because if you say to yourself, like, well, I'll, I'll never compete professionally, so I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. This is just for the elite of the elite. Um, one of the things that you have to also understand is that even for casual players, every other game that's out there, whether you know it or not, is competing for your time. And most of the other ones are also offering incentives, even for the casual players. Uh, you look at digital games, right? How many digital card games have login rewards? How many digital card games have like quests that you have to do to get some coins or whatever? Mm-hmm. And even with the physical card games, you go to Friday Night Magic, you go to your armories for flesh and blood, you'll get promos, right? You're getting something. And I know that Star Wars Unlimited is going to be doing some of this, right? They've already talked about their promos or whatever, but that's all part of that competitive like pipeline. That's because... Even for casual players, every other game is trying to compete for your time and being able to slap like cash prizes on an advertisement is still very relevant. Even if you never end up earning a cent of it, there is power in saying we have a one million dollar prize pool for 2024. Right. So what every game has been doing. It's kind of the industry standard now. Um, And if you don't do that, like people will pay less attention. Like that's just the reality. I, I do have uh, one more thing to add uh, as well with that. And and this kind of goes along with what you just said, right? Where we do have the standard where it's like a million dollar prize pool for your year of, of card game tournaments. But um, I think there's a huge miss happening industry-wide right now where they have this enormous prize pool and then they invest almost nothing into their broadcast for these tournaments where they're giving away these massive pride pool, prize pools. And I'm, I'm putting on my, my you know, esports caster slash esports, you know, broadcast producer hat for this for a second. And uh, I'm saying if you're putting all this money into the prize pool and you're producing a stream where like you can't see the cards because there's a glare on the table, 
and your your commentators are just some dudes that are doing it for fun or you're paying them nothing and they paid their own way there and all that you know it's like if you don't have people that are seriously invested in making that product good then that's an enormous waste of your money then to put up a prize pool that big right because the whole point of having something like this of having a big competitive scene is to tell the stories of these players and build these stars and put another carrot on the stick right functionally you're giving people another thing to aspire to right so to have have that system operate properly, you need to have a strong broadcast to support that. And uh, I think Magic the Gathering generally does a pretty good job of having some very solid broadcasts. I'd, I'd say they're definitely the best in the industry. Pokemon is like, okay, it's pretty good. Flesh and Blood is like pretty good. It could be better, but it's not bad. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of other card games kind of just like do whatever, right? So... I think uh, I think that's another big thing I want to see is more investment put into making like a good broadcast product around these games because you're giving away like hundreds of thousands of dollars to the winner and it looks like a potato stream on somebody's cell phone like yeah. that's kind of embarrassing right especially when it comes to like a large intellectual property like Star Wars too I don't think um, I'm not the person who answers to Lucasfilm obviously but I don't think they would enjoy seeing their their IP uh, put up that way that's just me. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can hear somebody. <laughs> I could hear somebody on the other end of the phone going, "What you want more money?" Qui Gon Jinn talked into a Bic razor. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, is that you gotta. If I would say honestly, I feel like you know, if anything, you take away a little bit of the prize pool and pull it more in the broadcast. And again, sure. I, am yeah, biased. Yeah, yeah. I admit yeah. that I have a bias here, but for sure, my bias is more that I want to see these stories being told properly because there's so much work and dedication and real like great human stories going into the people that decide to like play these games and put everything they've gotten to these games. And, you know, we see that in things like the NFL broadcasts, right? We see a mm -hmm. lot of emphasis being put on the stories of the players, right? And I've always said, people aren't fans of plays, they're fans of players. And it's going to be the same in like this game. People aren't going to be big fans of like a certain deck. They're going to be big fans of players because of how they pilot those decks. So we got to do better bringing those stories out, I think, industry-wide. I, I would personally love to see just once like a card game broadcast where it's almost got a format of like Ninja Warrior right where you have the really cool like background for not just how the person prepares but also like some of their story some of their previous accomplishments like when i think of that and that's not even like a really competitive thing it's just like a tv game show really right but i think that they always do good storytelling that yeah. is something that could be you know done far better at, at a card game level part of that is the nature of card games so for those who are not like understanding necessarily why why don't studios do this or whatever um if you're running an event and you kind of like don't know who the top eight is or who the top 16 or whatever is going to be ahead of time it can be very hard to like cut player promos because you know you might feature last year's world champion and then if he starts o2 and drops like what do you do so I part mean, of then it, that's a storyline too, right? Yeah, that, that's I mean, a storyline. It, it, it that's absolutely legit. is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's part of the reason you don't get those in-depth player, uh, like profiles and focuses. But it I is. I don't think still... you're going to get those right away. Like when yeah. a card game is just being born, essentially, you're not going to get a ton of those. 
But I think that's why, you know, honestly, that's why you bring in talent that knows card games. So they can tell you, hey, that person over there did all these things in that other game, and that makes them somebody we want to take a look at. And so to have people there working on the broadcast that have that kind of knowledge is going to let you do a profile on that player and say, hey, you know, you've had the success in all these other card games. What drew you to this one? What's so great about Star Wars Unlimited that you wanted to play that? You know, what's your approach to this game? There's all sorts of interesting stuff that can happen right away at the very first tournaments, but you don't know about that as a production company unless you have people there that do. So, But what attracts those players? It's the cash prizes, right? Like it, it all comes back uh, to the... It's, it's the waifu body pillows. It's the it's love a, of the game. It's definitely it's not the, the love of the pillows. game. That's yeah, right. It's the Wampa, coming soon to Wampa Radio. I mean, uh, sure. It's, it's partially the money, but... It's partially the money, but you're going to get... I mean, and there are people who are like career card game players, right? Where they will play a card game yeah. because of the EV and all that. But there's also a lot of other people that are going to be at those tournaments yes. that just really love the game and they want to be the best in that game. They may have never even played another card game, right? Or maybe they played other card games and this is the one they want to focus on. So, But look at you this. Just, you don't know until you talk to them. But look at somebody like Brody Spurlock, who just turned 18, who's been playing competitively for a year and a half to two years who is definitely set now, and this is his career. Like, this is what I think there needs to be an understanding of, is that yeah. this isn't just a recreation for some people anymore. Competitive card gaming is a career choice. And the thing about it is that in the same vein that, you know, if, you're, if your goal is to be a Major League Baseball star, you are your percentage of success and becoming wealthy in that regard is exceptionally minimal. Does that deter Many people, it might, but there's still a lot of people who are, are that's their dream and they chase it. And the reason they chase it is partially, maybe it's the love of the game, but also if they could just play every weekend in the corner for free, they, you know, or they, the other option is, do I want to go ahead and sign, uh, you know, hundreds of million dollar contract and become a star in the league? Like that is also an attractive element. And part of it, that attracts people to these games and the, the is that some people have those types of pipe dreams when it comes to competitive card gaming is that hey i can do this every day i can play i can the love of the game factor is what is keeping them motivated and not you know shooting their brains out because they're doing something they don't love but they wouldn't do it wow. to that degree <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like they wouldn't do sure. it to that degree if there wasn't a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Like I'm sure Brody depends on the person. I mean, yeah. Yeah. To some, to, for some people, absolutely. Um, I will say in my, you know, many years of interacting with professional players across both traditional and esports and card games, you can win tournaments. If you're motivated by the prize, uh, you will never be the best. If you're only motivated by the prize. Um, yeah. Ultimately the love of the game is what's going to produce the game's, very very best players every time um and you're, you're not going to have that ambition to grind a game uh any game whether it's basketball or you know or star wars unlimited um to that extent if you don't absolutely you know love it and are obsessed with it too so there's there's a a, a pretty good dose of both i think that you're going to find in tournaments i think that it is definitely both and what i would point out you know as you talk about pro players across any spectrum card games esports traditional sports the financial independence allows them to dive further into their love. I think that's the other part sure. that people are missing out on, right? When I think of uh, Michael Hamilton from Flesh and Blood, for example, he quit his job to play Flesh and Blood competitively. He bet on himself and then he won the world championship. But 
part of the reason he was able to win the world championship and play the game he loves is because he freed up the time to focus on it, right? If you don't have some of this financial reward, then, you know, if folks have a full-time job playing on nights and weekends or whatever, it might be people who still have that same love of the game, that same passion, but the quality of their play, the quality of their experiences and others involved might not reach the same heights otherwise. Mm. I think we're starting to kind of talk in circles a little bit too between our points, but I, I think what it all comes down to is that like, yes, obviously they're going to have cast prizes. I mean, it's it'd be shocking if they didn't. All right. Uh, headlines. Uh, there's one. Yeah. Wow. I think that, that was a longer chat than I expected. I thought so too. But, one, but I mean, yeah. in reality, this this episode was kind of uh, skinny on the bone a little bit um, because there wasn't a whole lot. I th I figured that it was worth at least getting uh, your ex chat. extra perspective. And again, we always appreciate any kind of conversation, any kind of comment. And even if you disagree with us, we don't take it as a malicious intent. It's merely people have different viewpoints. I'll take it maliciously. You're the same blood enemy for life. Watch out. I assume <laughs> every interaction with me is malicious and I deserve it. No, so, that's that's well. just the government and karma. I have to that's... get back in the Midwest spirit and be very passive aggressive about it. That's oh, the that's so, so nice of you to say. So look out. Yeah. yeah. Bless you, It'd child. It'd be nice if someone had better opinions. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so the one headline for the week is pretty paltry because it's a it's like an announcement of an announcement, which is that FFG's stream on the cunning aspect um, debuts on November 11th. Uh, currently, we're recording this on November 2nd at approximately 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Nonetheless, friends, um, let's get to some spoilers. Let's get to some yeah. spoilers. I know that this is a, a character that you very much like. Um, Charmer, I believe? Uh, both of us? Uh, I've never... I know. I, I've only seen, like, the first two seasons of Rebels, so I'm not super attached to... And Ahsoka, I guess, but I, I'm not particularly attached to Hera. But oh, well. I'm right, happy so to... Oh, go ahead. I yeah. was gonna say I'll, I'll dive in. I yeah. I enjoy Hera Syndulla. So that is the uh, card that was revealed, but very specifically, this is the leader card. This is command and heroism. When it is just as the leader card, it has the text "Ignore the aspect penalty on Specter cards you play." Uh, also has the tags "Rebel Twilic and Specter," so part of the squad. Uh, epic action, of course, is deploy when you hit the resource threshold. For her, it is six. The actual unit itself is a six-cost ground unit. as a four-power, six health. Still says ignore the aspect penalty on Spectre cards you play. So you don't have to worry about, okay, well, I've you know played her. Now I don't get the cool uh, tax break, if you will. That's what I'm calling this, by the way. Hera is pro-tax like break. break. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, she um, didn't really like uh, engaging with the, the Senate, though, it seemed like. She's, yeah. She seemed well, kind this, of anti-government, though. Th this is, uh, you know, when she was still a rebel, too, so she's just not paying oh. imperial taxes. In it's my true. Mind. And she's, hey, yeah. the color for H&R Block is also green, so... Uh. <laughs> yeah, she's H&R blocking oh. your opponent. Uh, sponsorship there, yeah. <laughs> so, on attack... She says you may give an experience token to another unique unit. Now, this is interesting mm. because I believe this is the first time we've seen unique interactions, like cards that require to have the uh, the unique identifier for 
the effect we've had things like force and things like that which are traditionally on unique units but unless i'm forgetting something and it's entirely possible mind you because i suffered a lot of head trauma as a child uh, but unless i'm forgetting something i think this is the first time that we've seen unique specifically referenced here on card text uh, overall i think that the real value here is obviously the ignore the aspect penalty on specter cards because mm. six for four, six stat wise doesn't really give you much to write home about also not a great way to protect yourself. No shield or anything. I mean, the six health is nice because it gets you over some of the damage thresholds that are important. Um, the on attack is also just a, a plus one plus one in stats every turn, which isn't uh, a ton either, but I, I suspect that, this is just meant to be your linchpin if you want to run the entire Spectre crew. We haven't yeah. seen all of them yet. Like, we haven't seen Zeb. I don't believe we've seen Chopper, um, et cetera, et cetera. But if those are all individually very powerful, then this could be a very powerful leader because obviously she's the enabler. Well, let's take a minute to look at the the Spectre cards real quick while we're while we're on the topic. So I was I've got the uh, the spoilers up from everything that's been released so far for the the first set. Uh, and Kanan Jarrus, uh, four for a four five, um, on attack, if you'll recall, uh, you may discard one card from the defending player's deck for each friendly specter unit. So if you do get a lot of them out on the boards, you're going to start milling your opponent a little bit, um, and heal one damage from your base for each different aspect among the discarded cards. So you're going to heal like roughly, probably you know, two or three, you know, depending on what, uh, what popped up when you discarded or discarded rather. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's strong right away. Ezra Bridger lets you look at the top card of your deck and, like, uh, choose to, like, play or discard it or something. I can't remember the exact details there, but some good deck manipulation. Uh, Sabine, uh, while there are at least three other aspects among other friendly units, this unit can't be attacked, um, unless you gain Sentinel, which is which is also pretty strong. Um, on attacking, you may deal one damage to the defender or to a base, so she does a little bit of extra damage there. Only three defense, so she is... Uh, vulnerable to removal, it seems like, um, but can become annoying if you've got other specter buddies out. So, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of uh, assume that it's going to be a playable archetype. I'm not, I definitely don't, uh, I definitely don't think at the moment with what we've seen, it looks like a top meta pick, but I think it's really important that the game has these sort of like uh, tribal decks you can put together. You know, if you really like Rebels or something like that, you can learn to pilot this set because I don't think it's going to be terrible. I think it's going to be, you know, decent. And if you're really good at it, you know, it could be a really fun way to engage with the game. So, I, I yeah, I'm hyped. I was really hyped to see this card. I like this card a lot and purely from the fact that, again, just the static uh, ability of ignoring aspect uh, penalties, tax evasion, uh, you know, so, and I believe True. that if you're facing off against the Trade Federation uh, <laughs> tribal, oh yeah, right, a... <laughs> exactly. Then you just auto win, right? Basically, yeah, you just circumvent yeah. all of that. But still, yeah, you're right. The uh, Erwin R. Scheister would be proud about this card. Uh, but ultimately, don't know who that is. That's a wrestler from the '80s and '90s, my friend. Oh, yeah, okay. IRS Erwin R. Scheister. He was nice. like he was I... an accountant. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. And he he always wore like Great. a tie and then he had like an office shirt but with the sleeves cut off because he's a wrestler, so you still gotta show off the guns. He wasn't in the cartoon though, I don't think. Dude. I don't recall. I don't think he really appealed to the, the kid demographic, it seems like. What an amazing era for wrestling. <laughs> it's like i remember like it really was like roberts and all that you yeah. know like hulk hogan the the undertaker well when he was like way younger he's still around obviously but yeah. you know i i remember some of them so i just i just miss good gimmick wrestling that's what it comes down to well 
Um, we need, all right, we, we got to talk about the yeah. We got to talk about the promotion I used to go and watch in L.A. But that the emergency but, pack we'll button, LA. emergency pack button. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Hera and the ability to actually just circumvent that all, all kinds of stuff. Like again, the, she's not as imposing as other leaders. She's not necessarily a game changer when she's on the board as a unit. But the fact is, is you don't care about that because everything else is what's getting work done. Everything else has the specter synergy. This just means mm. that you have you can not worry about tailoring your your uh your characters your your units around three specific aspects you just put the specters in there and you go crazy this is a type of deck where right now in set one will probably be like a tier three deck it's likely going to be a tier three deck but as new specters get like released it's much like in magic Mm. where whenever a new set is released there are people like is there any modern merfolk or is there is there any modern playable card if not, I don't care. If people are just all <laughs> geared about Spectre, like they're going to come out new sets, and some people are going to be like, I love the Spectre, um, my Spectre deck. Are there new Spectres I can put in there to improve it? I think that this deck is going to be pretty bad early on, but as new sets could come out, and we do know that there's going to be standard rotation. So I'm my suspicion is this is a thing where towards the late end of the pre-rotation kind of thing it'll be this is a deck that's going to scale with time you know oh go ahead well i was going to say one other thing to point out is that as you think about like future design space and things to keep an eye out for i think of sabine's card where it's like are there at least three aspects among friendly units if we get an art type later on where it's you know cards get bonuses based on the number of aspects visible on your side of the table her allowing you to cool. break that still would make those cards then more viable, right? So, like, if we get something where, like, it's a unit and it gets plus one, plus one for each aspect among friendly units you control, well, she lets you cheat a bunch of those in very cost-effectively, right? So that's another thing to kind of keep an eye out for is not just Spectre, but anything that lets you kind of get away with uh, benefiting from breaking, you know, the the rule of three for aspects, if you will. Yeah, I mean, every mechanic in a card game is just made to be broken for the purpose of card design. So ultimately, I'd, I'd love to see more, you know, aspect cheating kind of stuff in there. I think you're going to have to be really careful with it from a design perspective because the balance could get very wonky with uh, with that being a, a, a big mechanic at some point in the future. But it'd be cool to see it played around with more. Um, as I look at this, because I, I always kind of like to think, like, how would I build this and and... If I just knowing what we've seen revealed so far, I mean, you could be like, all right, well, I could do like this and like uh, a vigilance base and then try to run sentinels and then try to find some more shield generation somewhere and just try to put a bunch of uh, bodies in front of your specter people, put shields on them to make them less vulnerable to, you know, like damage from wherever uh, and then just try to be annoying, I guess. That's my mantra in life, man. Just do it. survive and be annoying. That's Spectre control. I'm all, I'm all for it. I also want to give another yeah. more love to SWDB, SWDB. We love you, so thank you for this. Because some of the cards that we're going to be featuring here and talking about, uh, they were released like like less than an hour <laughs> prior to us starting. Off the presses. Yeah, and I without hesitation, I go to SWDB.com. And there they are, ready to ready to go. So thank you, SwooDB. What you do for this community is immeasurable. Uh, I visit that website like every day. 
I'm gonna. It's, it's awesome. I would if if <laughs> I man, I am always there. I in fact, I'm there right now. I'm there right Me now. Me too. Um, Me too. We probably all are. <laughs> Three of SwooDB's current page views are us. Yeah, that's right. You're welcome, SwooDB. Uh, I'm gonna do the next one because I want to. I want to give you the big boy. If that's all right, Doa. Oh, I'd love the big boy. All right. So the Give next the, big boy. the next one is an aggression card. It's a one cost upgrade. It is called Infiltrator's Skill. The text reads, attached unit gains saboteur. Simple enough. It is an infiltrator skill, a learn learned uh, tribal, I guess, or tagline to it. And it just gives your uh, the unit plus one. Plus one can be a vehicle, can be a ground unit, can be a space unit, can be anything, frankly. Uh, this is also, is this the first card that we have with Jin Urso on it? Yes. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Sweet, because we have Krennic, so that's there's no surprise that yeah. like the Rogue one, we have Cassian Andor art that we've seen as well. This is the yep. first uh, indication that Jin Urso, uh, Rock of the Imperial garb as well, which is pretty rad. Um, this card for me, for a single aspect, so it's one cost and it, all it costs you is aggression. This card for me is very good. I think that this is a very good card. Uh, the one cost plus one plus one, nothing to write home about. But you have mentioned this multiple times, Charmer, that saboteur is likely going to be one of the more premier, more impactful keywords. I tend to agree as well. And I think that this is a card... We know there's going to be sideboards. We know it's going to be best of three. This might be a card that people will put as a sideboard card uh, or like have one in the main deck and have a, potentially another two in the sideboard if they're up against something that just rolls a crap ton of Sentinels. I think that this card is going to be impactful. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I, I wouldn't, if I was playing an aggressive deck, I wouldn't mind running a few of these in, uh, in main board. Um, just cause it's like, it's one for one, one. So you've got decent value right off the bat with that. Saboteur is nearly always going to be a useful skill. Um, and yeah, I mean, if your opponent is shield heavy or sentinel heavy, you get that kind of added bonus. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly sideboard, but I, again, like based on what we've seen so far, it seems good enough that you know, at this point, I'd throw a couple in the main board if I was playing aggression. But, you know, we've seen, what, half the cards in the set, roughly, about right now? Something like that. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other stuff out there. But I, I like this card. I think for a common, I think it's it's really good. Yeah. And I, I will say, too, you mentioned the learned part or learned, uh, you know, classification for these upgrades. I like that the upgrades all have different sort of types because that's yet another thing. We can make cards around in the future. So I love that kind of stuff because I'm like, oh, good. That's going to be something where maybe I can, you know, maybe learned upgrades are going to be crucial for some sort of like aspect of a deck down the down the line. That's, Jedi that's training. Yeah, there you go. Yes, exactly. Jedi training. Yes. Make it happen. Come on. I love everything about Great. this card, like top to bottom. Uh, as Flake said, one aspect, so very cost-effective uh, in terms of splashing into decks, uh, only costs one. So even if you have to pay the tax, like three isn't the end of the world. Uh, the plus one, plus one, and Saboteur are amazing. It's a common, so you can pick these up in limited. I also just really adore the art. I know that in the past, you know, we've kind of highlighted some times when we felt like the art was a bit wonky. I think that this is one of the better art pieces I've seen so far. Yeah, um, not not just because I love Jin Urso as a character. Um, after Sabine, she's probably my second favorite Star Wars character, but this art just looks very well done. Like it's a good, like well-positioned shot. Um, 
it's iconic like you know exactly what it's referencing uh just it, it's this is something that's going to look really good in foil too i just i top down like i said i love everything about this yeah i mean on the topic of art because you got me to, you know i'm always the one who's going to be critical yeah. of the art i do have a degree in studio art so i feel warranted i was a graphic designer at one point in my past pre-esports life so i feel like i have you know uh the ability to critique this kind of stuff here's why i like this card's art as well because Firstly, uh, she fits into the background. Uh, that's been a criticism of mine for some of the other card art is that the, the background looks kind of just roughed in, uh, no real thought put into it. And so the character seems to kind of be floating in front of it, which isn't very engaging. Uh, also, just the way the lines all point to the center, this card is going to look great in hyperspace treatment. So uh, mm -hmm. that's exciting, too. Um, just going back to Harrison Dula for a second, that's a good example of where, like, the character's well-rendered, well-rendered, rather. The shading is good. The lighting seems solid. But if you look at the background, it looks very, like, roughed in. It looks, frankly, like, incomplete, you know? And mm -hmm. then that's been kind of like a common through line for my criticism for the art uh, in this game so far. Um, and you compare that with, uh, you know, where, uh, I almost said Jin Erso's card, with Infiltrator's skill, which <laughs> features Jin Erso. Um, you know, the, the background is not really much more complex, but just the way that it's done points you to the character. It puts the character into the background. The lighting is much more consistent around it. It's just a better constructed piece of art. Sure. Yeah. And the, the yeah. light in the background, like when you just look at the way that it's hitting her, it does look like the light is emanating from behind her, right? Like even just like the mm -hmm. shadowing feels appropriate. I just, like I said, I, I draw everything about this card, but we've, dogged on some of the other art in the past and i wanted to give credit where credit was due because i think this totally. one sandra sandra if you're listening you did a fantastic job on this piece uh fun fact though infiltrator skill the artist uh sandra uh Chlevinska, uh is the it's same, the same ar artist it's the same artist as harrison doula so that's so strange isn't it because that, yeah because the lines are so much cleaner on infiltrator skill than than harris card like the thing for me about harrison doula's artwork is that the the console like the the uh, the dashboard like where she's got the you know holding on to the reins of this ship that she's flying the chair she's in and the console feel like they're like crooked like one of them's angled one way and the other one's angled another you don't way. even see the other part of the chair she's kind of just floating in space yeah there. that so, is that is kind of crazy like yeah. uh so I, that makes me wonder if, like, Hera's card is maybe, like, part of a larger art piece that they just zoomed in on for this card or something like that. Usually. I mean, that's usually a little bit lesser detail. No, I'm saying, like, maybe there was more than just her in the original piece oh, or something like okay, that. They just you. decided, oh, this is what we want to use for Hera. Like, okay. I don't know. I have no idea. But when I see something like that, that makes me kind of wonder if that's possibly the case sure. there. Because that, that does happen with card games sometimes. We're like, oh, well, we can use this for multiple cards instead. So, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's go on to the big boy. Mm, all right, cool. Well, yeah, I'm I'm hyped to get to talk about this one. It's it's the Devastator. It's another large star destroyer. Yes, bring on the large star destroyers. I want to make my large star destroyer deck. Let's do it. Ten for a ten ten. Command villainy Imperial vehicle capital ship. It's got Sentinel. It's got Overwhelm. Uh, and when played, you may deal damage to a unit equal to the number of resources you control. And if you're playing this thing. You're probably going to have at least 10 resources, right? 
So uh, unless there's like a way to like cheapen this or something, but uh, you're going to probably have 10 and that means you're going to be doing 10 damage to, you know, something out there, which is probably going to kill it. I don't think we've seen anything yet that uh, if it, you know, unless it has a shield or something, it's going to survive a hit like that. So very cool card. Another card I think is going to look neat in, uh, in um, hyperspace treatment because you're going to get the space, you know, coming off of the side and all that a little bit more of the planet. Um, I, I, I like it. Uh, it's a spoiled by Brett Ballet. I'm um, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. So thank you very much. Brett Ballet. Brett, uh, there's dogs. I don't know. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double T at the end, so I'm guessing it's Ballet. But yeah, either way, um, <laughs> thank you very much for the spoiler. But uh, one aspect of this, and I don't know if this is unique to this particular card, but Sentinel is like highlighted for some reason, like on the card itself. Maybe that is that. Maybe that's just like. Um, let me go back to see if that's the case, because it, it's it's a mechanic that's uh, so, you know, important on it, your opponent's turn, yeah. which might be a, a reason for that. Uh, in the past, they have always yeah. been highlighted unless yeah. it's a conditional Sentinel. So there are some cards yeah. that say, like, if it's undamaged or if you have, um, I forget the exact wording, but the one that's the uh, Emperor's Royal Guard, right? It's like if you have an official, I think. Um, but so if if it's conditional it's just got a, like a bar around it and then if it has sentinel it's the like bar around it and it's red and that's just yeah. because they want you to know like hey you can't attack through this they want the visual indicator it's easier to spot for your opponent i, I think that's a good thing to add on there this yeah. this card dude it does it so it's a legendary i mean we need to talk about that you know um it yeah. fits into villainy command so you're in that ramp sphere which is where you want to be for sure a 10 10 for 10 i mean this is this is the pinnacle so far this is the the top of the mountain as we've seen when it comes to sheer power it's not even the executor which is crazy it's the devastator which is another significant isd that's out there but still when played deal damage to a unit like this is it it, it two for one something like you you get the benefit of more presence and they lose the benefit of something not even paltry this is like you can take down any big ship that you see with this thing it just shows up and smokes it out of the sky then you're tasked with getting through it and if you if it survives if it's there your overwhelm ability means that if you if there if that lone x-wing or that lone little weenie of a ship is left in its midst it will get gobbled up and it'll provide change. You know, like that's how disgusting this card is. I think that um, the more and more that these cards are released, and I have said this multiple times, I'm a control player at heart. Playing things like that have control, ramp, and late game explosion and late game dominance is how I love to play card games. This just once again hammers another nail into the coffin for me being like you're going to be playing command you're going to be playing ramp this is this is the top end so thank you thank you uh ffg for this card it is it is exciting i mean you gotta have cards for the uh what the the timmies right in the card game yeah. where it's like they just want to play big stuff but it's even better when that big stuff becomes viable but you don't want to make I... it too viable you got to be careful there I, I would like to propose, hear me out. I would like to propose that from mm -hmm. now on, uh, Timmy's are flakes and Johnny's <laughs> are doas and Spike's are charmers. Whoa, whoa, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I let's mean, just. I've, I've been a Johnny my whole career, so. 
All right. So for those who don't know, Timmy is somebody who likes to do crazy, funky stuff. The the Johnny, what's the Johnny? No, no, no. You've got combo. No, no. The the Timmy. He, let me explain it. Spike is going to play whatever meta deck is going to win the tournament. Yeah. Whatever is the best right now, that's what Spike is going to play because all Spike cares about is winning. Uh, Timmy doesn't really play competitively. Just has a fun time playing big things on the board and feeling like you've got something powerful to swing at your opponent. You know, not really trying super hard. The the player uh, that, you know, was excited about Crawworms back in Magic the Gathering the 90s, basically. But uh, that's a deep cut. But anyway, and the Johnny is a player that wants to win, that's competitive, but has to win on their terms. They're going to play the off-meta deck, and they're going to master that because they need to feel stylish and cool while they're winning. That that's, means more to them than just net decking. Uh, so okay. there you go. And There's then, your breakdown. And then the Spike, yeah, is just plays whatever the best deck. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of maybe amend what you had mentioned charmer a flake deck is a deck that that leads up to one big card that wins the game so and i will and like i did the i did i thought about it in my mind okay when i was playing hearthstone i played a cartoon deck which was like you you spend oh, yeah. the entire game beefing up this one dude that, that was fun. Uh, Sire Denarthius in in Hearthstone recently, which was kind of the same thing. Like every time one of your thing mm. died, a Sire Denarthius would get bigger, and then you dropped him on the board and like would battle cry deal thirty damage. So like that the, doesn't sound fun. It, well, it's but it's a it's like it's a deck <laughs> that Hearthstone in a while. yeah it's a deck that you have to work towards. Like that's the kind of thing, and that's why the Devastator to me is like a work towards card. That those are flake decks. So yes, the Devastator is a flake card. It is absolutely a flake card. I I will say this about the Devastator. It is the first card I've seen where I have thought you know I might take the damage from galactic ambition to play this faster right because galactic ambition is a card that i continue to keep my eye on because it's you know it's a rare card and it potentially does very powerful things but you also have to weigh that cost of you know why would oh. i want to take a ton of damage but this because it has sentinel and overwhelm if your opponent doesn't have like the immediate spot removal for oh, it God, yeah. you're likely to recoup the value back right Dude. you are walling up your threatening damage so galactic ambition i always kind of keep that in my back pocket when i see new big cards and this is the first one where i've thought like okay yeah i i might take the damage to make this happen and even if i don't get to deal the full 10 to a unit at that stage of the game you know dealing seven because that might be the resources mm. you have still entirely fine so you're you're oh go ahead oh i'll uh, I was going to say you're getting your value out of it. The only other thing real quick, and then I will defer to you, Doa, is um, this also calls back to the card we just talked about, Infiltrator Skill. Uh, Infiltrator Skill might have a heck of a lot more value in space because we've seen a lot less saboteur yeah. there. And the fact that it does not care whether it's space or ground means that somebody might drop a Devastator in front of you and you're like, all right, I pay one and go around it. Totally. Well, you yeah. pay one and go around it until the Devastator is like, okay, but on well, my yeah, turn, yeah. I'm going to go through you. And, which... and overwhelm for a ton of extra damage <laughs> yeah. as well. So, like, yeah, you, you pay a price, but at least you can get through it with uh, with Saboteur's skill. That's true. Infiltr infiltrator's skill. That's what I meant. Dude, this card, yeah. man, I'm telling you. Like, there uh, oh. there was the there was the other one. Was it the Avenger? There was another uh, Star Destroyer, the one where it's like your, your opponent's first uh, event they play is yeah. canceled. what was that one? Um like everything about this speaks to me now the next thing i want to see is i want to see a command slash villainy 
or whatever the other one, Vigilance card that allows you to put a shield on your base. Because then that card that you're talking about, though, uh, Charmer, where you can take damage to the base, if there's a shield on your base, you don't take that damage. It gets absorbed by the shield, right? So can you put shields in your base? Well, that's we haven't seen that yet. Um, oh, okay. Side, I thought maybe I but like, something. what if one of the locations is Hoth, like Hoth and like Echo Base, and then oh, the the it's a twenty five health thing, and literally just says like, as an epic action, you could turn on a shield. I don't know, man. Uh, Hoth didn't go so well for the rebels, so I don't know if uh, I don't know if we're gonna get out of that location per se. But uh. still, th- this card, uh, man, I'm so enamored with this card. Relentless it's, it's cool. was the other card you were talking yeah. about. Oh, relentless, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it's a uh, it's it's neat. And and talking about the the galactic, what was the card you mentioned again, Charmer? Galactic, galactic? ambition. It's seven, so, and yeah. you take damage to play a non heroism unit from so, hand. So we've got. Uh, we've got DJ Super Laser, who mm-hmm. becomes a resource when he dies. We've got Resupply, which just comes into play as a resource. We've got the card Command, which you can, you know, play as a resource. Uh, so we do have ways to, like, ramp up uh, pretty quickly. And then if you get to seven, you might be able to do it early enough in the game to be like, yeah, I'll take 10 damage on my base. And I'll 100%. play this giant ship that you can't handle, you know? It, so It's that's, entirely that's possible you could be dropping this thing on, like, turn three. Yeah. You start at two resources, right? So if you start with your two and right out of the gate, you play the first ramp spell. So now next turn, you're up to four. You play like DJ Super Laser and then somehow find a way to kill him or you play another one of the just, you know, ramp events. Yeah. Um, you you could get there potentially. Is it going to happen often? No. But like you could theoretically try to get this thing as early as like turn three. Um but even like four or five still feels really impactful. Dude, you can Yeah, or even getting out one of the other Star Destroyers feels good. Sure. Until your opponent plays Vanquish. But like just And then you're like, oops. But what you're talking about, uh, Charmer, is like Tron, right? Like if yeah. you if you get the pieces in order, you're essentially unbeatable because you're putting out your big bad way ahead of the curve. And mm-hmm. uh that's the thing, right? Like if that happens perfect and people might say like okay but if you're cheating it out with seven resources then it's not dealing its full potential because it's not dealing the 10 damage who the hell cares man <laughs> like if you're getting yeah. this out th- there's a very good chance that they're gonna have nothing on the board because keep in mind when you're at seven they might be at like four or five resources so what do they have on the board something with like a a, a, a five point ass like you just drop this squash it and then they have a 10 10 on you have a 10 10 on the board that they can't mm. penetrate that early and then you just keep swinging with it and swinging with it and then they're on it- like a two-turn clock and it's then also, they play Vanquish for five. I was going to say, it's uh, also yeah, um, <laughs> meta-dependent, right? So, yeah. yes, Vanquish, that's a problem. But against, like, an aggression deck, completely different. Um, you know, there's also, what is it, Waylay, the cunning one? That's the one that I'm, like, more oh, worried about. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, now it's going back <laughs> to my hand. Yeah, that would be, that'd be rough. Right? Yeah. yeah. So there, there yeah. will be answers, but this d- definitely has some appeal to just slapping this down and saying like if you got it you got it but if not like you're gonna be eating it for a couple of turns okay let's move on to the last one one of the happiest characters i've ever seen in my life charmer (laughs) are you are you trying to say that it looks like me no because it it... (laughs) not not 
in so any like way, shape, character. or form. Yeah, it's a oh, because you actually think it's happy. I I just see Harold, like the Harold I meme, he... where he's like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. hiding, well, hide, hide the, the pain, pain, Harold. Yeah, oh. <laughs> our sympathizer to me is hide the pain, Harold. Like, right. uh, I mean, let's go. It's to hard war. to really tell the expressions on a Celestin. Uh, uh, Celestin, right, yeah. right. Nien Nub, the famous Celestin co-pilot of uh, Lando during the uh, the battle over Endor, over the forest moon of Endor, that is. Um, but it's it's hard to kind of tell the emotions, I think, on Celestin's I don't know, man. Time. Like, he looks fairly neutral to me. Neutral to, neutral to a little bit happy. Yeah. Dude, look he's, at... He's loving life. Look at his he's eyes. Aggressive. If you focus in on his mind, you know, he's just, yeah. he's just like, he's got like some happy song going on he's got some sick jats going on in his mind right now as he's, he's just, just so he's just happy imagining to be nuking uh, these civilians like. Wumba or something nuking <laughs> yeah. civilians oh, I get what makes you think out. he's a bad guy well, he's an ardent he's, sympathizer. I mean, he's an ardent he's, sympathizer, but he's also just a, a aggression and has the trooper tag, so in my head, he's not a saying, rebel trooper. You're saying he's, he's a mercenary sympathizer, huh? Yeah, potentially. Dude, I don't know. Oh, he's boy. doing what he loves, okay? <laughs> and he's not working a day in his life. Look at him. He loves killing. <laughs> right, and he <laughs> loves killing. That's my point. <laughs> he, t- he does look uh, He does look pretty, pretty. you know, again, like oh, fairly bemused. Okay, you know? I got it. Do you guys remember yeah. that episode of Rick and Morty with Crumbopulous Michael, the assassin, who's just happy to be I've an assassin? I've not watched that show. He's basically, he's, not watched it. he's like, hi, <laughs> hi, Morty, I'm going to, uh, I'm Crumbopulous, uh, sorry. Hi, Morty. I'm Crumbopulous Michael. I'm an assassin. I, I work for your grandfather. And he's like, I'll kill anything. Uh, children, women, uh, anything you want. I'll hap- I'm happy to do it. And he's just so happy. And then he cuts to him running away. And he's like, oh, boy, here I go killing again. And then he just starts murdering all kinds of people. And this is he's Crumbopulous. This guy, he's Crumbopulous Sullustin. Our, our <laughs> like sympathizer definitely could have like the the comic book bubble with a quote that just says oh boy here i go killing again oh, like for I, sure. I could 100% see that okay well, so this we is should why probably we talk need about lore the card. text on these cards again yeah yeah <laughs> we should probably talk about the card uh, ardent sympathizer is a 3 cost ground unit with only aggression as the aspect has a 3 3 stat line just a trooper but while you have the initiative this unit gets plus two, plus zero. So while you have initiative, this is a single aspect three for a five three, which is very above rate. And I I dig it. I, it's a common, but I think that this is definitely something that uh, I would target in draft or sealed deck formats. And I could at least for set one, see this finding a way into some aggressive decks as well. Like three yeah. for a five three is very cost effective. Yeah, totally. I mean, you play this card and then your opponent is like, oh, are they going to take the initiative on their next action? Like, do I need to take the initiative now? Or my my thing that has exactly five health is going to get killed by their first action next turn? Like, uh, yeah, it, it presents some real conundrums for your opponent when you play this card, I think. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it does seem like a card that'll get overshadowed as more come out down the line for the game. But in set one, this this might be a, might be a pretty popular one. It definitely will be, I think. Um it's a common uh, three, three for three single aspect card that can only get better if you take the initiative, which is something I think aggression has always wanted to do. It's traditionally based on the, a lot of the cards we've seen has operated with uh, initiative as something that it, it wants. And yeah, you're right. Like, and this card also, again, once again, reinforces the fact that I think that star Wars unlimited 
uh, is so much more layered than than on first glance. It forces mm-hmm. like you like the scenario that you guys put put forward. There's so many decisions to make when playing this or facing off against this card. Uh, every action that you're going to be deciding on, it's like man, like like you said, like I've got a five drop or I got a five body that I want to protect. I have to like take this initiative, which basically shuts yeah. down my turn but protects this unit. Like the decisions are there based purely off the fact that this happy-go-lucky, murderous Sullustan just. So happy. He's so happy. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at him. Uh, it. Uh, I like this. Like it's just a. It's a good card. I think that this is going to find its way into those aggression. Decks I, for sure. I will say this is another card where I'm like, what is the background? He's in a field, and I see like kind of hills in the back, but well, it's kind of. So this one I will in, defend. Like, All right, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. This want, one I'm going to defend. Hear me out. Uh, The little inside baseball here. I actually got to see the first design of this and they had to remove the pile of corpses that was originally (laughs) in the back. Oh, okay. Yeah. A more family friendly card. So they just put in generic hills and stuff to cover what was a mountain of dead aliens and civilians. The way he was just spattered with blood. I, I, I I did hear about that now that you mentioned that. And yeah, that that it was too far (laughs) uh, was the directive. Yeah. Tone it down a little bit. I just, picture yeah. like at the end of this mission like whoever hired him is like all right there uh crumbopulous francis uh here's your uh here's your reward oh no man it's all good i had a great time i got to kill thousands of people don't even worry about it this is all g- here i go and he just takes off <laughs> you know another interesting thing with this card though is he's holding his uh blaster rifle in the traditional kind of weird way that the stormtroopers hold it sometimes in a new hope where they're holding like the, the oh, trigger the but then they're not going like this yeah they're holding like a little tiny thing on the side that doesn't look like it's something you're supposed to hold so he's kind of he's kind of got the traditional uh kind of a little bit weird uh new hope blaster holding uh stance there hey you don't just wanted to shout that out you don't survive in that kind of chaotic <laughs> lifestyle without knowing how to hold a blaster, dude. That's why he's so that happy. Right he's though? he's uh he's a stormtrooper that can actually hit his target. So like he's, he's having the time of his life. <laughs> well, he's not human, so they wouldn't accept him as a stormtrooper. Uh, yeah, if we're, if we're real here, but uh, you know, but he you know he does like to you know kick it old school with his uh, blaster maneuvering. Yeah. So thank you. Brett Ballett for the spoiler on this one as well. And thank you, Luke Harrington, for the artwork that has me so overjoyed. Not to the degree of this character is being overjoyed for the uh, relentless slaughter of God knows how many innocent people. But, hey, he's having a good time. So, What do you think's rolled up on his back there? What do you think that is? Sleeping bags? Blankets? <laughs> Those are just body bags. Those are just rolls of body bags that he's ready to just toss on all of his victims when he's done. Those are actually, his people keep scrolls on them at all times. Really? It has a full list of all the people they've killed. Okay. And so he's just got scrolls and scrolls <laughs> on his back. Uh, I believe you it. for a second. And honestly, I kind of like that idea for like a warrior of like some sort of fantasy culture that they keep like a record of, of all their victories like on them. And so you see like the more like badass warriors have like giant scrolls on their backs and stuff like, oh, I'm, I might steal that actually for like a and d campaign or something. Sometime. <laughs> I would love That's it. A cool as, idea, actually. As, as, as like a if you're doing, doing something that. like cyberpunk themed or whatever, like if you could imagine somebody wearing like a, a, a suit jacket 
but it has digital uh, capability, right? So like imagine a, oh. a scrolling thing, but instead of it being like the traditional like matrix, whatever, it's literally sure. just a list of all the names going like ticker tape around them wow. of uh, their body count. So you're saying Hardcore. it's like a new age way instead of like the teardrop tattoo. It's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. not Mr. Zaz. It's. <laughs> Mr. Pizzazz, because he's putting some flair <laughs> okay. on his kill count. It's just as like, it's like he wow. unrolls it. It's just a gigantic artistic tapestry that is depicting all of his exploits. And it's just piles and piles. Actually, that would be kind of cool. Right? Like imagine a traditional art. And so it's not just like, oh, here's the name. It's like, here's how I did it. Yeah. Right? It's like building yeah. his own lore. <laughs> this guy. I swear. Oh, dude, I'm I'm getting like, I'm getting like such great ideas for like, writing stuff right now you're welcome I, here's another idea for free when you make a deck that's centered around nothing but imperial star destroyers mm. you get altars to make them all look like pizza slices and you call it a pizza party what where did <laughs> I this even come from for that one where did that <laughs> come from that came from absolutely nowhere all right um we're gonna uh, we're gonna pull the plug on the spoilers <laughs> again uh there you have it friends again today being a uh november 2nd and uh we went we went on board so anything that came out after this we're not responsible for but uh yeah hey, hey, well, we're not responsible for any of this other stuff either we didn't make the yeah. cards we're just telling you about them yeah so flake when you're maybe on a galactic vacation and you're hanging out out say on the outer rim you're enjoying a does. picnic in a in a nice lush field some and then over music. the horizon, <laughs> you see an ardent sympathizer slowly approaching. <laughs> what What do you say? I I I think my concern, frankly, would be: I hope I'm wearing nice clothes for when they paint me on his tapestry of doom. So that, I, but ultimately, yes, because when he shows up with that gigantic smile on his face. <laughs> I'm going to say, I have a very bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about this. Hey. Quiet. Okay, so um, needless to say, friends, there wasn't much of a uh, topic du jour for this particular episode, but we, we have... We the time, though. Dude, it's an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> I know. We also dis discussed... So a short episode. Yeah, we also we, discussed... We we, we, we trim this. Well, we talked about how this episode was going to be a shorter one, and maybe we'll clear the mailbag. But I don't think that's happening this time, friends. I think that no, we're going to have to uh, do one and move one on. Done, yeah. So I'll let one of you guys decide, but it's not the middle one. Okay, I like that one, but I want to wait until everything's revealed before you know we talk about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, do we want to do? I think it's the same person. It might actually be the same person. Lightsaber Larry and Larry H. Like it's Larry Hurley 28 on Twitter and then Larry H. I think it's the same Suspicious. person. Could be. It might be. Um, so either way, a Larry is getting a question this week. So thank you, Larry. Uh, thank you, Larry. Yeah. You guys, yeah. one of you guys you decide. Go. I don't want the responsibility. Uh, let's do let's do the bottom one because I think that that one. I can't read it. That one's fun. I'll I'll do it. All right. So. Okay. Uh, via, well, now I can't. Thanks, Flake. Uh, that's not me. That's not me. My hands are here. That, that was me. Sorry. I was trying to make it bigger. Oh, yeah, I was like, all using the same Google Doc for oh, the show. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. Graphic design guy. Just 
it's, was, it's a shame that I don't it's a shame the show won't be able to see what just happened because I was literally getting ready to read it and then it like shrunk and it stretched and it contorted. <laughs> um, okay, so just hit Control Z a few times to bring this back to reality. Oh, <laughs> oh my oh, God! Oops, what are you There goes gravity. Um, oh, there goes gravity. There, there you go. There you go. Is I that it? it down. Okay. That's how it was originally. I didn't. That's that's why I couldn't read it. Okay, I right, have. Well, I can I can read this one. I, so we'll, just don't don't touch it. I can read it. Don't touch Not. it. Hands off. Hands off. Here we go. Uh, Larry says, "I have my thirtieth birthday coming up on November sixth. So first oh, of all, happy, happy birthday! Happy this is why I picked this one because it was time sensitive. Happy I wanted to birthday, say happy Larry. birthday, yeah, Larry. That's good. Uh, and it got me thinking of a fun question to ask y'all." What is the best physical Star Wars gift you think someone could get you or has gotten you? Personally, I think a signed Samuel L. Jackson Mace Windu lightsaber hilt or a Swoo Mace showcase card when it comes would be amazing. He's my absolute favorite character in the Star Wars universe so far. And then P.S., uh, where's the sideshow you talked about in earlier episodes where y'all go over Star Wars movies and media hot takes and all? Well, we're gonna do that. I think that I think oh, that's that's the other show I do. Yes, I. So <laughs> yes. I will. I'm gonna actually preface this uh, for Larry. You should check out um, Doa's podcast. You can't even remember the name of my podcast, can you? It's like Nerd Legion, What's isn't it? My, oh, okay, you got it. You made me wonder. Yeah, I was. I was like, was, oh, check out uh, Doa's no, uh, I was, uh, uh, podcast. I was. Uh, <laughs> I I briefly forgot the name of the co-caster, which is Monte Cristo. I just. I don't know why I was thinking it was Casanova, but it's it's Monte Cristo. So, uh, it so it's Doa and Monte. It's uh, <laughs> Nerd Legion. They they do a lot of this. So before you get the horrendous takes of Charmer and I down the line, you should probably go and listen to professionals do well, it. If you like Ahsoka, you might not be a big fan of our podcast. <laughs> I will say that, but uh, but we're we're honest. We're honest. That's what that's all that matters. Um, I want to ask you guys before we get into this question: thirtieth birthdays. What did you guys do for your thirtieth? Mine's a really de- my thirtieth depressing answer. So I did I did nothing, but I'm not a big birthday person. Oh, okay, I think so. I must have thirtieth, two thousand. I'm I'm old. Two thousand thirteen. Ten years ago, this very year. <laughs> um. I was in Korea, so I probably just went out and partied in Korea. That makes sense. With all my my esports friends. I went to Vegas. What, what what's it like to have friends, guys? Where where are your friends? Shut up, dude. It's very time consuming. I don't recommend it. <laughs> the older yeah. you get, it's just we're talking. Remember, we're talking about EV. Yeah, friends, bad EV, <laughs> totally bad EV. <laughs> okay, so uh, in terms of a gift, uh, the one of the best Star Wars gifts. So. The thing about it is that all my family and friends know that the easiest thing that they think is just a surefire home run of a gift for me is anything with Star Wars branded on it. So I'm not kidding you. I have a Star Wars slow cooker, which I love, by the way. That was excellent because I love to cook. I have a Star Wars slow cooker. I have a Star Wars toaster. I have a Star Wars waffle maker. I have all kinds of – BB-8 one? No, it's not the BB-8 one. Oh, I have the BB-8 one. Which is awesome, by the way. I wish I had it. Um, But like they always get me – it's like, oh, here's a – Star Wars coloring book because they saw it's like 
I, there's so they much. They think of you're it. five or what? Like That's, it's but <laughs> it's just easy because they don't know what to get me, so they just find the first thing that they see with Star Wars branding on it, and oh, they okay. get it for me. That's nice. Yes, but one thing I do have, I don't know if you can see it, but it's on the shelf, is I was gifted um, by my girlfriend at the time. A uh, She got me a silver coin that had the Millennium Falcon on it and another oh. gift that I, I loved it so much. Like, it was so awesome. It was uh, Canadian Mint that made that or the UK Mint, one of the two. One right? of them. I'm not sure. It might have been the Canadian Mint. I know they did the Star Wars thing, but another one she got that one. was a silver coin, again, pure silver with... Uh, the Rebel logo on it. And those live prominently on my little display over there because cool. I thought that that was awesome. I don't know how much it costs. I didn't inquire. It's not my place to inquire. It was a wonderful gift. But hey, man, um, uh, signed Samuel L. Jackson, Mace Windu, lightsaber hilt. That is pretty freaking cool, too. That is uh, That sounds like a, a priceless artifact to me. That, that, it, that would be pretty neat. Yeah. It's I true. mean, I think... I think a lot of Star Wars fans would go would go with lightsaber hilt, um, but but I would say I would want mine unsigned. I I would just want it, you know, as it was, you know, on the film set. Um, I'm not a big like signature guy or like photo <clears throat> with a famous person guy. I'm just like I I like things that have memories attached to them. Um, so I I would I'd like a, a hilt, but without the signature. Yeah. Charmer. Yeah, this this is this is tough. Um I think a Sabine hilt, like a good quality replica, would be up there. It's very weird because I love Sabine, but I'm actually not a Jedi? huge I I yes. Of them all. <laughs> of them all. But th I think that's part of the charm. Um okay. but I but I don't like the design of her blasters a ton. Like if if I was going for something just non-lightsaber. Um, and I know they make them because there's a company that's like Blaster Factory or something like that. And they do these like really high tech, good custom replicas. Um, I'd want one of the um, Jen Urso ones because I think that that blaster design might be my favorite just in general. It helps that it's one of my favorite characters. But it's the one that when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that that looks like. You know what I would imagine like a scruffy rebel blaster would be right. It's not. It, cool. it doesn't look military. It looks like something that you would like pick up at a galactic pawn shop. And for whatever reason, that just, you know, appealed to me. So I, I think that would be another good one. And it, I'm kind of with you. I don't think that I would want the object signed, but I would if I had like um, a really cool display base, right? Or a frame, if I was going to frame it or something, I think it'd be cool to have that signed as mm -hmm. part of it. I'm going to, um, what's the term? I'm going to uh, sort of disagree with your decision that uh, she's the worst Jedi because the worst Jedi, frankly, are the two sacks of potatoes that immediately die when confronting Palpatine. And their names are Agen Kalar and Sacy Tin because they go to arrest Palpatine. And the first thing he does, the first thing he does is ignite a saber. There's four of them. Yeah. And he just goes, eh. And they're like, ah. They were just surprised, I guess. I don't know. Wait, I always thought that surprised. was lame, too. Like, the, they, how they are you surprised? They were force-frightened, Flake. I think I, I take that as an indication of just how, like, impotent the Jedi Order was at that point. That, like, they were just so full of themselves. They couldn't imagine um, even someone who they suspected to be a Sith Lord to be able to take them, you know? 
Um, so I, I feel like there's a lot of like hubris of the Jedi Order is a big theme in the prequel trilogy. I feel like that's a, a prime example of that. But they also they do die pathetically. That that is true. <laughs> yeah. So uh, worst yeah. Jedi probably not. I'm gonna give it to those oh. two clown shoes. I, I will add too, if if uh, you know Larry's relatives or significant other, possibly if you're out there listening, um, you can find uh, you can still find sections of the storyboards from the original trilogy uh, for for a fairly reasonable cost uh, at uh, various prop stores and and auction uh, places around the internet. Uh, it's because what they did is they printed out a copy of so it's not the hand-drawn one that's a printed copy of that and they would make one copy for the heads of each part of the production and so there's at least you know six of each of these out there somewhere and then you know whoever knows how many of those survive but anyway there's a high enough amount that you can find them uh pretty pretty easily i have one from each of the original trilogy and they're really cool so i recommend looking those up if you want a neat prop or not prop you know, but neat, you know film relevant uh uh thing yeah i i don't know if it would work very well as a gift because i think part of the fun is the personalization but like i think about you know i took my family to disney world we did star wars galaxy edge we all did the lightsaber build thing and that was a lot of fun even if it's you know everybody gets some variation of the same thing because it's like pre-developed parts just like getting to make your own was really cool and so like in that thread, if I was thinking about something like physical that's, you know, different, but you could still personalize or be unique, I think it'd be really cool to get like a high quality made like Mandalorian helmet, but like with your own, you know, paint job and customizations, oh, yeah. right? Because that's one of those things where even if it's not a canon character, everyone knows what it is immediately and then you could personalize it um, that I mean, that could be pretty cool as well. All right, I changed my answer. I want my own A-wing. That's what I want. That's the gift I want. If if you get a if you get your own Mandalorian helmet, and you get a lightsaber, I want an A-wing. That's hyperspace ready. Well, I want a star destroyer. Then. Well, I want a Death Star. One up each other. Well, the Death Star is easy to take down. I so want the. <laughs> Rip off Death Star. <laughs> I, you know what I want? Which which one? <laughs> you know what I want? I want Crumbopulous Francis on my side. Oh, That's wow. what I want. Crumbopulous Francis. Yeah. Expensive contract. <laughs> yeah. No, he does it for fun, man. You saw his oh, face. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> Just happy to be part the, of the team. You can't put a price on fun. No. <laughs> okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the mailbag this week. Thank you so much, uh, Larry, for the question. There was another question from Garbage Rollers, another great content uh, crew. We are going to dig into that, what you asked in the future in more in depth. Uh, that's a whole episode, frankly, that we're going to dive into. So, Thank you yeah, so much. Sure. Yeah, everybody for contributing. Again, if you want to submit a question for the Bad Feeling Mailbag, you can do so at uh, Podcast at gmail.com or at Radio on Twitter. You can contact me at Watch Flake. You've got at GGDOA and at ThatCharm3R. We're also available on Discord. You can send us a message where we do get some submissions there. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that, that does it for this episode. Um, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. Not bad. I mean, <laughs> good, good chat, all. Oh, good chat. Good, good. Oh, good both stuff. teams played hard. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> We've all played I a just good hope everyone s- had fun. Yeah, because that's, that's why we compete. 
The real winners are the fans. Bring it back around. So we do it for the love of the game. Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah well, we Lord do it knows, for the love of the podcast. Lord knows, we're not getting yep. paid. So <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> uh, okay. I also want to invite everybody. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe on the YouTube channel and um, follow us. Hit all the notification stuff on all the platforms. And again. Um, you guys are really great at doing this, and I implore you, if you haven't already, please leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us. It goes so far for us, and it does wonders. So thank you for that. And yeah, that's it. That's all, friends. Charmer. Uh, May the force. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh. oh no. I wasn't you ready. You did, yeah. Well, don't worry about it. Chromopulous Francis is going to clean that up. Easy peasy. Here I go killing again. Oh, yeah, it's, we're not ending on that, so hit us with it. Be the force be with you.